What's up, everyone? This is Justin Gordon from Vitalize Venture Capital, and welcome to Talking Venture, a show where you'll learn how to build and invest in startups, featuring interviews with startup founders and operators, angel investors and venture capitalists, as well as deep dives into a variety of aspects of the startup world from the team here at Vitalize. On today's episode, we have Allison Robinson, founder and CEO of The Mom Project, a company that turned recruitment into a movement. They connect talented women with world-class employers that respect work and life integration. The Mom Project is a portfolio company of ours here at Vitalize. They've raised $36 million in venture capital so far, and they are growing like crazy. Let's dive in. Allison, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thank you for taking the time. I know you are busy, a lot going on in your life as well, and I'm, I'm happy to have you on the show. And for people who don't know about the Mom Project yet, what are you doing today? Obviously, it's maybe evolved a little bit, but what are you doing today with the company? Yeah, um, well, Justin, I started the business about five years ago, and it's just been amazing to see how it's grown and evolved in that time. Um, so where we are today, really, we've built a double-sided platform that is become the destination for moms, parents, allies of moms and parents <laughs> to come find and be connected with really incredible work opportunities with employers that I say get it. They understand what moms and parents have to bring to the table, which is a lot, and are excited and eager to to hire them and welcome them into their company. So we really operate as that that marketplace matchmaker. Um, on one side, we've got about a half million professionals who are super talented, educated, and really looking for companies um, with an emphasis on flexibility and remote work. Um, and then on the demand side, we work with you know everything from Fortune 10s like Apple and Google to companies that are just getting started and helping them realize why moms are so incredible and why they should prioritize hiring moms as part of their hiring strategy. So we're having a lot of fun. Um, to date, we've been able to connect the moms in our community with over $200 million in earnings. Jeez. And um, our goal is to grow that to a billion dollars in the next three years. So we're really excited about the impact that we're having on these women, their families, and like what we think kind of the downstream impacts of that will be. Yeah. And I appreciate that context. I love having that at the beginning just to give people an idea of where you're at now. I would love to go back to the beginning. And one of the things I'm curious about is just looking at your, even like your LinkedIn, your career, seven years at Procter & Gamble, big company. And now you're, you start this startup, which is a much different thing, obviously. Take me through that transition from Procter & Gamble to your own company. I would love to hear more about how that happened. Yeah, I'm certainly not sort of like the traditional founder who had like a product engineering background, <laughs> studied CS in school. I took the business route. Um, so went to work at P&G at like 19 before I could drink. <laughs> I <was laughs> there. And it was actually fairly entrepreneurial because I actually worked out in what we call the field um, and specifically servicing our, some of our big retail customers. So Costco, Walmart, grocery stores, drug stores, and kind of figuring out how do you grow the P&G portfolio of brands in this large format environment? How do you gain mind share in you know, spaces that are highly competitive and commoditized? Um, 
So I really like learned a lot from that, started out really selling and then had an opportunity to move over to Pampers where I really got to spend a lot more time with the consumer who was mom on the Pampers brand. And during that time, I just really became in awe of these incredible women that I met with and hearing their stories all coming from really unique backgrounds. Um, And then I actually became pregnant while I was working on Pampers with my son, Asher. And like a lot of women took a bit of time off um, to, for parental leave. And um, while I was at home with him, I read that over 40% of American women leave the workforce after having children. And that to me just like screamed as a problem. I really wanted to go solve because it brought me back to like those women I met inside their homes who like had so much to give. And (laughs) I was like, wow, if we could really build a marketplace, um, a platform for her to be able to unlock her full potential through flexible work that really kind of meets her on her terms, like that could unlock a tremendous amount of value and the economy. Um, so left P&G while still formally on maternity leave um, and started working on this MVP um, and haven't really looked back then. <laughs> it, grateful for my time in corporate America to kind of understand how the machine works and a lot about like, you know, some of the more bureaucratic management philosophies I didn't want to carry forward. Yeah. And from that too, because for the founders listening, or especially early stage, you're thinking about something when you left, obviously, you know, you said you're on maternity leave still at that time. Um, you have this idea, you know, there's a clear problem that you need to solve. There's needs to be something here. What were some of the steps you took to figure out what your MVP was going to be, what that solution was that you were going to provide in the beginning? Well, I've always been like a very market driven founder. And so that's really kind of always been my guiding light. And so as I was just seeding this as an idea, I started talking to customers. And at the at the time, I thought it would be all like small businesses. So I literally just started reaching out in Cincinnati to local laundromats, restaurants, being like, if I could connect you with this really like talented workforce of moms that wants to work really flexible, flexibly, would that be interesting? And um just got super strong market validation. Like, wow, that totally makes a lot of sense for these small businesses. So then started talking to customers more up market and cold pitching, like heads of HR, heads of diversity at major corporations. I And they were responding to me, <laughs> which was like really cool um, because I, it was really nothing more than an idea at that point, but then I started to learn about the behaviors that were driving um, hiring decisions at some of these massive companies, the need for them to attract and be able to better retain women in, in their companies. And all of that helped me sort of formulate how we could monetize this as like a business, as a product. Um, and then of course talking to moms, but I got like really quick <laughs> valid, like so many moms are like, yes, yes. Like I course. <laughs> untenable. And so you kind of had this perfect storm of getting all of these really positive early signals from the market. And then the next step was building out the product. So, um, early on, um, partnered with an agency in, in New York, um, Arun who owned it, then, 
came in-house to be our CTO. Um, and yeah, from there, things really took off. I mean, we officially launched in April of 2016. It got picked up by the cover of the Chicago Tribune business section. They profiled a woman, Phoebe, who had left her job at Google like great job to focus <laughs> on raising her two kids who are toddlers and it just like really resonated um and got widely circulated and from there like the growth just you know really hasn't got <laughs> sense and the business every year has just you know reached things i would have like never imagined I want to get into that, but first I want to go back real quick to a couple of things you mentioned. One being finding the firm in New York, you mentioned, because that's something that founders are going to go through. Like, do they bring it in-house right away? Do they go with an agency? What went through that? What was the decision process like for you in terms of figuring out how you would build it, how you would bring it in-house versus not bring it in-house? Like, I'd love to hear more about that because it's so difficult sometimes to figure that out. Well, totally. And like, you have to appreciate, like I had no idea really. Like, <laughs> right, like I came from like building physical products at PNG. Yeah. Um, and so this was all like very much new frontier for me. And I didn't have like a network of, you know, technical friends or colleagues. And so I just did a lot of research. And ultimately how I found that agency was on Inc. Magazine's um, list of like best, best dev agencies in the country um I got the initial quote back from them and I like could not afford it because I'm <laughs> bootstrapping this with savings yeah um but they the owner of Rune really believed in what we were doing so actually kind of took on the work um making no money because he really felt like this was something that should exist and so it's like you know you kind of get some of these lucky breaks along the way yeah, that's I've heard that before too in other shows I've I've done in terms of interviews of like when you have a mission that's really compelling, mm -hmm. it is something that can draw people to you and then they want to contribute, they want to help in some capacity mm -hmm. and you can get past some of those problems through an amazing mission and then obviously being able to execute on that. And when you're pitching the companies as well on the company side of things, you've obviously now gotten massive companies on board, but what was the pitch early on for what you wanted to do with the mom project in terms of what you, what the draw was, why these companies should come on board? Yeah. I mean, I would say we are in, we built a company that sort of had to build a market alongside selling the, the solution. Yeah. Um, and so we've had to get really creative. I mean, I think early on, um, even before we really had, too much to offer we had a brand we had a mission that people could really get behind um and you know i had i had a really kind of good knowledge based on my time with campers around like why moms like having come from the advertising side of it i saw like how as a constituency like moms controlled so much power trillions yeah. spend highly educated, um, highly diverse, 86% of American women become moms by age 44, which most people don't realize. Yeah, and so it was it really is. kind of telling the story of to attract and retain women, like you've got to solve for moms, right? Because this is going to be something that most women in their lifetime will experience. And so I think um, kind of rallying them behind that mission um you find those early believers early on 
Um, maybe it's a mom who is now elevated to senior level of leadership and, you know, had made those personal sacrifices. Maybe it's a partner of somebody who has seen their partner um, make sacrifices so that their career, career could ascend. And so I think it was just finding those earlier believers, getting product market fit, and then showing that this is not more than just a great idea and concept and mission. Like this is a really viable business. Um, and I've always kind of felt that as a female founder, you have to be like a stage more advanced when it comes to metrics than often um, our male counterparts. So it wasn't enough just to have like 10, whatever that number was, like we had to do more to be able to get the seed round or the series A over the line. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately, I think I'm just so proud of like, you know, other people have sort of tried to tackle this problem. And we've made it work at school. And I'm like, damn, like we've, you know, we've still got a lot to do. Like, it hasn't been easy. creating a market, building a product, um, making this work in a way that could ultimately like help millions of people is something I'm like super proud of. <laughs> yeah, as you should be, because it's been pretty incredible as I've done my research for this and seeing the growth, like as you mentioned, the trajectory of the company has been really impressive. And obviously we're investors uh, at Vitalize. And with that, you mentioned, you know, bootstrapping early on off of savings initially, um, not having money to start. And then you bring on the, the, the team to build this actually. And also you've gotten some incredible investors, you know, like initialized capital and some other people as well. Like mm-hmm. how has the fundraising side of it gone for you with, again, not really that being your experience and for many founders that they never have experienced fundraising necessarily. How did that go for you? What was helpful in that process for you? I would love to hear more about that. It was really hard. Um, it took me 18, 24 months before we were able to raise any capital. My husband and I, he ultimately left his job to help me full time because we saw how much customer adoption that we were getting. And unfortunately, I just you know, really kind of failed to have investors see how big of an opportunity. And I think early on, many questioned the market size opportunity, like how how big could this become? And they didn't realize like how universal this problem is for women. And they thought maybe it's just like a very small niche of women trying to get back to work. But no, like we found new moms were coming to the mom. Like this was something that was so much bigger, had the opportunity to be so much bigger than I think they could wrap their minds around. So yeah, we self-funded it for the first couple of years um, and then kind of got my lucky break um, in Chicago, who's been really kind to us. Um, met Gail really early on, Eddie Liu, um, who is a board member, um, and he was able to help us bring in OCA Ventures as well in Chicago, Wintrust, um, and then Engage, BC and Atlanta Seed Company to seed stage um, funds down in Atlanta, who all had kind of ties to the business community. Um, So that was kind of our lucky break. And from there, we had $2.6 million to be able to hire, build better products. Um, And so that was, you know, with that, we were able to show, I think, probably three, four X growth. Um, to ultimately allow us to raise our Series A and then kind of continue to see this good drumbeat of of growth, um, having most recently raised our Series B last year. Um, so, 
yeah, I mean, ultimately we <laughs> want to make our investors proud and especially the early, the ones early on who had a lot of conviction before anyone else did. Um, so much gratitude for. Yeah. And that's, yeah, as you mentioned, I, it's so difficult to raise, especially if mm-hmm. you have something where people don't quite understand it yet or can't see the vision clearly just yet. And those people who do take those, take those chances on it, it's just like, thank you so much. And like from other interviews I've done, like some people have taken, I mean, months and months and months, mm-hmm. a year plus to raise funding in their first round of funding. Uh, I remember one that always stands out to me is Zuleika Strassner from Zero and her having, I think, Charles Hudson from Precursor invest in her after she was like fundraising for like 10 months straight, just like trying, 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 mm-hmm. cannot get someone and finally got the investor and then, you know, cascades into getting other investors and you can continue to grow the business. And back to that point of growing the business then with this crazy growth, like what has helped you grow from that initial, you know, validation of customers being like, okay, obviously there's a market for this. So you know, this to the point where, I mean, last year you raised a series B for $25 million. Like what's fueled that growth you think? Um, or what are some of those factors that really have contributed to the mom project taking off like that? Yeah, I think um, going back to my earlier point, I think we've always kind of understood the go to market strategy, like really well. Um, we figured out how to really get the monetization engine going. Um, and we found really three distinct segments of customers where there was really good product market fit. Um, so I would say, you know, I, I feel like we figured that um, on pretty early, like in our life cycle, and then have been able to refine and kind of make that flywheel keep humming more efficiently. Um, which allowed us to reinvest back into the product and the platform strategy um, to be able to deliver a better product experience for our moms and our customers, our partners. I'd love to double click on that, if you don't mind, around what that was in terms of go-to-market strategy and then the three things you mentioned as well. I'd love to hear more just because like, I think founders find it useful to be like, how did they do that? How did the mom project grow so fast? Like, I'd be curious. So I would love to hear more if you can provide more on that too. Yeah, it's... Um... Great question. And I know often founders, you know, are instructed to have a lot of focus. I think, you know, looking back, we, we, we kind of made it um, pretty complex early, honestly, having three go-to-market strategies. So we were selling to SMBs, um, primarily companies under 50. And that was like a very marketing driven um acquisition approach, like running Google AdWords, LinkedIn AdWords, referral programs, et cetera. Yeah. So that's always been about 30% of the business. And then 70% comes from enterprise or like large mid market. Um, And so for enterprise, we actually sell directly into their heads of HR or talent acquisition, um, or we sell indirect through channel partnerships and the software providers that already have access to these great jobs at the Fortune 1000. And so we have three kind of go-to-market motions to support these all have like grown really nicely alongside one another. Um, it's hard, it's hard though, right? Because without complexity yeah. kind of focusing on a singular product. And so that really pointed us to becoming a platform because really our goal is to be able to unlock the potential of moms. And so how we think about scaling the business is really like eliminating any friction to our customer ecosystem and how they want to buy. And so we've got actually different business models depending on how they prefer 
to buy, some are subscription, some prefer to pay for hire on a service fee. And then for our moms, um, who, you know, are coming to us from all stages of life, some who don't have college degrees and are coming to the mom project to upscale. Yep. Um, some are executive level talent looking for like board level positions. And so I think our mission has been so vast that it's, a, it's like forced us to kind of agnostically solve this problem, which is harder, but ultimately I think, you know, will lead to a bigger business, um, that can be more impactful, but yeah, we, we bit off a lot. <laughs> I, would say. Um, and so we've had- I think so. <laughs> pretty efficient in how we've used the capital um and we've got kind of big visions a big vision around like what this can become um while staying disciplined on delivering in the present um but yeah sorry going 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 back to that i was just gonna say like hearing that though as you mentioned you know everyone's gonna say you know focus 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 choose one like was that driven by just the customers and people using the platform were telling you this you were just like well, let's just go with it because they're saying this. Like, how did that decision happen then in terms of your business model? Yeah, well, I think what we saw early on was like women, moms, like they didn't have one, just one way that they wanted to work, right? Yeah. And so it kind of comes down to job structure. Some want short-term projects, some want executive level full-time positions, some want somewhere in between. And so how kind of companies acquire for those different work structures looks really different inside a big enterprise or SMB even. And so our go-to-market really had to kind of mirror our supplies preferences. And from that too, uh, diving deeper into that subject, you've had, you mentioned like a 500,000 or so people and moms on this, like from that, I mean, I'm assuming you have just a ton of data on what moms want and what they're looking for. Like, Mm -hmm. could you share more of that for, you know, for the companies listening, for anyone wondering like, Oh, I want to use the mom project. I'm a, I've heard, I heard about this. I'd love to hear more of like the insights you've kind of gleaned from like what moms do want from work, uh, just because you've worked with so many of them and had somebody on your platform. We'd love to hear more. Yeah. And we actually just didn't have our own research and insights arm of the mom yep. project. It's called Work Labs, where we mine all of the data based on transaction history, kind of job preferences. And then we do a ton of qualitative research. And so I think, you know, in terms of what moms are really looking for in an ideal work structure or employer, number one is respect. Like they want to feel valued for what they have to offer, not only as an employee, a worker, but as a mom. Yeah. And I think that's a societal shift because I think in the past, women were sort of trained to compartmentalize their identity as like a mother from like a worker because those two were not super compatible. So I think there's just like this cool cultural shift happening where people are like the mom project, like, yes, like this is like a big driver to my career decision. They get this, they understand me. Um, So, so moms are looking for respect. They're looking for flexibility. And often people falsely assume that women coming to the platform are looking for just like part-time work, which absolutely isn't the case. We know in the U S you know, many women moms are single earners, primary earners and want me to work full time. And so for them, maybe it's access to better benefits or a more supportive hiring manager. 
more paid time off. Um, and then fair compensation um, and good benefits um, are really the top three. And then you get into like career advancement opportunity, mobility, but really respect, flexibility, fair pay are the th three key drivers. And then we saw, you know, pan the pandemic had just such a devastating impact on women in the workforce with over 2 million women forced to leave the workforce last year, either being furloughed, laid off, or having to leave prematurely because of lack of childcare or remote yeah. learning. So we feel a greater responsibility than ever to kind of get these women back quickly participating in the economy because many of them don't have a choice like they need to yeah um and and trying to unwind some of the backslide that set us back decades last year and, and to that point so you you mentioned obviously with all these insights you're you're getting from from women from moms on the platform and you work you acquired work in 2020 what went into that acquiring another business and did you like think you ever would do that or i would love to hear more about like that you just like decision around acquiring a company to have that i would love to hear more yeah um i've never actually talked about this um you're the first person to ask me that yes <laughs> so you know you kind of follow the people who are in your space category and so um had long respected what work had built um i thought they had a really strong brand um and what they were doing had a mission really similar to ours um and so i'd respected them for a while um and actually the founder had reached out to me i think it was like was it 2019 december 2019 asking me to grab coffee um, and she mentioned that they were looking to sell the business. Um, and we kind of came to mind as one of the top potential acquirers given our synergy. And so took it back to the team, like chatted briefly with the board and, um, yeah, it just made a lot of sense to kind of acquire them, um, what they'd already built, the intellectual capital that they had the network they had, the brand. Um, and ultimately what we did was we took work and combined it. We had MP Labs, which was our research and insights division at the time to merge to become Work Labs as our standalone third-party neutral research division. Um, so it was a really, a really good pickup for us. Um, the founders are great, Annie and Anna. Um, Annie actually as the world would have it, um, is a director of remote work at Facebook now, which is one of our biggest customers. So like we're, we're all working <laughs> together again under different circumstances. Um, and we actually recently acquired our second company as well. Um, a really incredible tech solution built on kind of community building and inclusive tech, a company called Glassbreaker. So uh, we haven't shared too much on that yet, but we're always kind of eyeing companies in the space and ones that we think could could add really nicely to to what we're we're trying to do. With that, I mean, with obviously this being your second one, then that you're acquiring the integration of that. Do you expect that to always be like separate, standalone, to integrate within what you know the divisions you already have on the team? 
how long is that process? I know for other founders, you know, who may be listening, who are already have companies or have thought about acquiring, like what goes into that or what do you expect to happen and what had happened after you acquired them in terms of integrating? Yeah. So we really bought them for the tech. Um, great founder, um, great team who had just built some really exceptional tech that we wanted to incorporate into our product roadmap down the road. So absolutely. We, we plan to bring the two together um, later this year. We think that there's an interesting standalone commercial opportunity as well. Um, they had some significant six-figure contracts with um, some of the Fortune 1000s. Um, so the time hasn't been right yet, but we think kind of a really interesting tech integration play and a commercial kind of more white space opportunity. And one of the things I want to go back to, I know you had mentioned at one point, like women and, and wanting to, mom specifically, wanting to like upscale or rescale potentially. I know you have a, a 513C um, program as well. I would love to hear more about that program and how that came to be within the mom project. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, last year um, after the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, others, we really did a lot of thinking, like, how can we how can we use our platform to really be a force of good? And what we found is that we wanted to really elevate more women of color into the best jobs, right? In the world, yeah. for the best companies, high, fast growing fields like engineering. And so um, kind of the, the impetus would just happen one night to create a 501c3 because it was a little, it was tangential to the core business, but also with sort of a separate mandate. Um, so we wanted to allow ourselves a bit more creative freedom, if you will, to, to really run this through a 501c3. So momproject.org with the inaugural initiative being to upskill 10,000 women of color. Um, starting with tech certifications at Salesforce, Google, Apple, Microsoft, that would have really significant um impact on their their earnings um after a few short months of training um so i'm really excited that's been taking off we've got some incredible corporate sponsors who are helping fund this we have an amazing director over rise chandra who is a single mom black mom who you know has done who has upskilled herself and like is the ultimate kind of voice of these women and like when they're feeling down or they think they can't pass the test like she's like been there and she like we're gonna do this it's just like <laughs> Love it. it's really cool so it's early days but um it's something that we have so much heart for and I think you know just so needed and really fits kind of nicely into our overarching mission which is to unlock the potential of moms in the workplace by really specifically helping elevate women of color um, and single moms often are disproportionately represented in RISE. So yeah, I'm really excited about what we're doing with RISE. That's amazing. I love seeing companies obviously can be such forces for good when you look at what your mission is and then what kind of falls in within that and all the potential you have with what you could do with that. And um, it's something that just is great to see and like why I love entrepreneurship because you can solve these problems and do good at the same time. And it's it's just, it's wonderful to be able to have that. And one thing that we haven't really dove into too much is like the product in terms of what you have to offer. So from the 
the mom side of things, when they join, like, what does that experience look like? I obviously there's a lot in the back end, but for them experiencing that, like what goes into the making that an amazing, incredible experience as they're using the mom project? Yeah. So, you know, the, the goal for moms was really just to create a very intuitive, joyful experience of finding work or finding support and finding work. Um, we know that for so many job seekers in general, like the process of finding jobs is laborious, <laughs> like nobody really enjoys yeah. it, right? And we think because right. of that brand and, and focusing on moms, it gives us allowance to really kind of make it more enjoyable and really speak to her in terms that make sense and are really supportive, really empathetic to what she's going through. Maybe she hasn't build a resume in 15 years if she's getting back to work or maybe she's a new mom and she doesn't know what she wants so it's really building empathy for the users is really at the heart of everything that we do um and so the journey starts with them creating a profile at the mom project um so telling and we try to keep it as as simple as possible um (laughs) they can either drop in a resume and we'll populate all the fields for them Um, We want to know a little bit about them because um, a lot of natural language powers our match in addition to the more traditional technical requirements. Um, And then we really want to know what about what um, is going to be an attractive opportunity for her. Like, is she looking for projects to join a company full time as an employee? Does she need remote? Does she want a combination of the two really kind of highly curate? these job opportunities for her. Um, so once she creates a profile, she can start discovering open jobs that we have on our marketplace. And it's a combination of big, big companies um, or fast growing startups. Um, to date, we've been really focused on professional work and technology. So you'll see on the marketplace, a lot of marketing, finance, HR, operations, engineering, product, less like education, healthcare more kind of business yeah um and so she can start applying for jobs it's really seamless uh we've got a mom success team who's cheering her on throughout the way we have all kinds of features that were really all developed with moms in mind so things like helping them build a beautiful resume through our resume rev feature paying for her child care so she can get to her interview with peace of mind Hmm. connecting her with a free mentor who can help kind of boost her confidence as she's interviewing. Um, so we we try to be really thoughtful of kind of the practical challenges that she's facing and, and curating an experience that helps her overcome those. Um, but ultimate success on the platform is getting hired, getting interviewed, getting upskilled. Um, so we're really focused on the outcomes. And then for the customers it's also a really easy intuitive experience for the small businesses that are on in the product they're self-serving and the platform can take care of everything from curating the candidates to the actual interviewing job offer and then post hire like contract worker management payment invoicing hourly tracking etc um and then for the bigger companies often we integrate with their the, the systems that they already use their ATS um so they often don't necessarily want to come into our product they just want 
our candidates prominently yeah. presented in, in their system. So it's a bit different depending on what channel that we're working on. But um, yeah, kind of solving for the mom needs and and matching the right supply and demand and eliminating any friction um, in the process. That That's definitely one part I, I want to go into because any marketplace business, supply, demand, matching, that's that's the name of the game. You want to make sure obviously you have enough jobs for the moms and also on the opposite. It's the same thing. It's chicken and egg problem. How have you gone about that, solving that, making sure you have enough on each, on each side? Uh, I'd love to hear more just how you've thought through that and solved that problem. Yeah. So we've always had more supply than demand, right? Because you're building, in our instance, a B2B business alongside a direct-to-consumer business, and consumers yeah. are always going to adopt new ways of doing much faster um, than large enterprise. So we've always thought about how can we keep moms engaged, even if we're not able to deliver the right job for her right now. So we think about the definition of success expanding beyond just getting her a job to like being maybe providing her with the resume tips, the beautiful resume, the career coach that helped her ultimately land the job if that wasn't going to be through us. So we have kind of an engagement strategy for moms and, and kind of nurturing them while we ramp the, the demand. And the demand's grown by three... 3x year over year, but still it takes Jeez. time to kind of get to scale on the demand side. Many, even, you know, at the biggest companies, hiring decisions are actually decentralized. So we're not like a job board where like we go live with a customer and we flood our marketplace with like thousands of thousands of jobs because that wouldn't be a good user experience for moms. So we'd rather keep the jobs highly curated and relevant Yeah. and guarantee that they're going to be considered than just like flooding them with a lot of opportunities that have a really low shot of success. Um, and so, you know, I think we're now at the place and in, in COVID on our business, ultimately um, we still had a really strong year, but we saw softness in our SMB segment as many small businesses had a lot of uncertainty and volatility, Yeah, but we're very much in the midst of the rehiring um and we've seen <laughs> jobs growing like gangbusters um we've seen some interesting supply dynamics like certainly growing supply but people kind of waiting out the pandemic waiting for their children to get vaccinated etc so it's interesting but the demand i mean really growing like crazy there's 15 million job vacancies in the u.s alone right now <laughs> so jobs are growing at a much faster rate than active job seekers. So it really is a mom's mom's market. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And this has obviously been about, you know, the other companies too, and the ones you're serving on, on your platform, but with your company growing so fast and with you raising more and more funding, there's obviously hiring needs for the mom project. So how have you built your team, Allison, at the mom project? Yeah. I mean, I'm proud to say that a lot of our hires come from within the platform. Yeah, that makes um, total sense. <laughs> it's amazing because you have a workforce that is so aligned with the product and the mission, and it's just, it's pretty cool. Um, I would say, and then some of the usual suspects, like we have great partnerships with um, LinkedIn, Indeed, um, and then if it's really 
specific executive roles. Um, we'll sometimes partner with like a with a boutique search firm. Yeah. Um, we use one to find our CRO. Um, and then for the really pretty high profile um, roles, I do a lot of outreach. Uh, it's like my number one job now as CEO to be recruiting the very best talent. And so I just go to LinkedIn and kind of filter for people that look really interesting um, and do a lot of coffee meetings and just really <laughs> dedicate a lot of my time to recruiting. Um, and I'm trying to think anything else. And then we get a lot of referrals um, from our internal employees, which is great. And then we have diversity focused um, job sources as well. One that I love is Mark. I don't know if you know Marcus Sawyer. Um, mm, founded a business so. called EQ, which is focused on hiring for people of color. He's so great. Um, he's a founder. This is like his second or third act. Um, so yeah, I really like to like diversify how we're finding talent. So it's really diverse, like, um, yeah. and bringing in a lot, like I just hired a CMO who comes from gaming, video gaming. Um, yep. was at Twitch and like obviously coming in with such a different perspective. So <laughs> I, I think that makes us a stronger business, a stronger team. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it does. And when you have so many different pipelines you're drawing from too, to, to have candidates for you, it's, it's interesting to see that. And one of the things you mentioned with how you're a lot of your time now is spent recruiting and that's, you know, basically founder CEOs recruiting, hiring, firing, and then like fundraising mm-hmm. and then sales, depending on what you're, you have to do. How has that transition for you as a founder from early days bootstrapping to now obviously you have a much bigger team and your your role has changed a lot like how has that gone for you how do you manage that do you work with a coach like how has that all gone for you Allison yeah and I do have an executive coach um there's another initialized portfolio company called Torch Labs Hmm. um and I've really benefited from it a lot um and the role has changed so much honestly just in the last year I was managing our sales and marketing all go to market in addition to my job as CEO and so not Oof. until our CRO got hired hired did I realize wow that was like so much that was super unsustainable so now I'm finally at a point where I can be focused on recruiting building culture with the company, especially as we've shifted to be fully remote, just like the way that we operate looks really different than when we were all together in Chicago for the most part. Yeah. Um, and then I love, you know, I love selling the vision. So whether that's candidates, customers, um, really anyone who will listen, like <laughs> that's where I can add the most value these days and really kind of helping people envision what could be um, if things sort of go right. Um, And I like, I'm a bit of a dreamer. Like I love to kind of think about, so like I'm most energized when I'm with people and I'm, and I'm envisioning and building. Um, So that's, that's what I'm up to these days. (laughs) I need a lot of fun. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. Yeah, then that's obviously with what the, the CEOs will be doing. It's like you're setting the, the vision, the, the direction for the whole ship that's moving. That is the mom project. And yeah, drawing on your experience and what you're seeing. And I would love to hear more just about where you see future of work kind of going with, with us at Vitalize. You know, we're investing future of work and future of learning moving forward and always trying to learn as much as we can. But where do you see 
future of work kind of changing or shifting, especially for moms, of course. I would love to hear more. Yeah, I think um, the workplace changes that have happened in the last 14 months, I mean, had it not been for the pandemic, would have taken a decade to get here. So I'm super pleased to see that like remote work has really now become mainstream. Um, I think there, there's going to be some people who will still hold out, but I think it's the future and we've got to adapt. Um, so I'm really excited about what that means for our business, of course. Like moms have always been disproportionately penalized by their inability to be in an office and networking in person, et cetera. So, so bullish about that. So bullish about the gig economy. Um, we mm. know that by 2025, um, half of the American workforce will be independently employed. So freelancers, free agents, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, mompreneurs, whatever you want to call them, like people want more agency over their career, right? And people are not spending three decades at a company and getting attention anymore. And so you're just going to see people really kind of architecting this collection of projects and experiences. Um, I think creator economy kind of is here to stay. I think, you know, I look at other businesses that have serviced similar audiences to us, like Etsy, you know, and the value that that's unlocked. And I get really excited thinking about what the creator economy could mean for the mom project. We've been pretty disciplined to kind of stick to more professional work, but I see, you know, so many moms wanting to be creators and builders and entrepreneurs. And so I get really excited about eventually seg- serving that segment um, of our, of our work. With, with that, I would love to, so with that, and then like the creator economy, gig economy, I mean, obviously you're paying attention to these things because of your business, of course. So what do you think if, if it does shift towards that, like you mentioned with like half going to like a more gig economy and more like work for everyone, like being like freelancers or entrepreneurs of some sort, what are some of the potential things you think need to be built for that or, or, you know, resources they need for that? Like, I would just love to hear if you have any insight on like what we may see coming up or what you think needs to be built uh, because of that shift in kind of the way people work. Yeah, totally. I think how people will monetize their time could get so interesting as marketplaces like the mom project or Upwork are able to kind of unlock that demand to the supply, right? So now you have yeah. a lot of people using their dormant time, driving, making deliveries. When I was at PNG, it was mostly moms who were going into retail stores, doing store checks and checking for consistent pricing, um, doing market research. So like you've seen sort of all of these use cases. And I think if we can really figure out how people can very nimbly monetize their dormant time, like that becomes so interesting. There's so many use cases um, that I could imagine that, you know, just um, if you can really get that supply and demand humming. Um. And there's clearly a market. I think people have settled for less, right? Like how many moms do I know from my high school who are college educated and participating in MLMs, right? Like I know (laughs) an opportunity, like the demand is there. 
Um, so yeah, that's a trend I'm really, really bullish on. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to follow along and, and seeing how even as we move forward to the next generation and how they view work, which I think will be a lot different than than how in the past it's, it's kind of been as well to see more people creating and doing different things and finding unique ways to make a living or even having these side hustles that mm-hmm. become their full-time thing or that it might just be a combination of different things they work on to have their full-time income. Um, it's fascinating to see and watch and kind of follow along. I'm just curious with you, how do you pay attention to these different trends or things you're seeing? Um, you have this data set of all the moms on your platform, but is there anyone else you follow or any other resources you look at to kind of keep tabs on what's what's happening or just list of competitors you're looking at? I'd love to hear just anything you're, you're, you're watching as well, Allison. Yeah. Well, I know you're pretty active on Twitter. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> um, a lot of like the VCs in my network, I, you know, um, really respect. And I don't know, I love drawing inspiration from like the non-business world. Um, uh, There's an entrepreneur and author, Scott Belsky. um, Uh, Really, and like what he borrows from like the creative process and building process. Um, So I think there's inspiration to be had like everywhere. And I think for me, it's like connecting the dots of like something totally unrelated. Like how could that work as a mom project? Like how would that work for moms and like borrowing those principles um, of things that that would not be otherwise obvious. I really love. Um, But yeah, I try to like read a bunch of, stuff on all all types of topics and I don't know just stay culturally relevant I guess yeah (laughs) I mean yeah there's so much right there's so much to consume so it's like you're trying to run a business and then also like learn you know for the higher level direction and everything as well it's kind of a insane world and yeah I'll I'll echo Scott Belsky being another obviously great great option great resource with what he's done in the past his own businesses and now he's at Adobe I believe so Mm -hmm. there's like a lot to draw from him and there's if you curate who you follow on Twitter, you can learn a lot and like keep kind of tabs on it's what's happening. It's a pretty efficient happening. way to get information. Yeah, if you if you really curate it, it well, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's the key though. The, the curation is key, Allison. It's definitely the most important part. And for people who want to get in touch or learn more, where can people go to contact you or learn more about the Mom Project, Allison? Yeah, so if you're interested in finding work through the Mom Project or hiring, visit us directly at themomproject.com. Um, if you're looking to reach out to me directly, um, feel free to shoot me a line, Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N dot Robinson at themomproject.com and get in touch. Perfect. Allison, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Justin. Had a bunch of fun. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about us, head on over to vitalize.vc. You can also follow us on Twitter at VitalizeVC, or you can follow me on Twitter at JustinGordon212. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.